Hey, this is Michael Walter. When you start your hiring process, you may have questions. Will you find good applicants to choose from? What about education and experience? And how will you know you've made the right hire? Indeed is here to help. Millions of great candidates use Indeed every day to find their next opportunity. You can post a job in minutes and use screener questions to help you create your short list of applicants fast. Also, add skills tests to your job posts so you can be confident in your applicant's ability. Their library of more than 50 skills tests range from industry-specific skills like accounting to general aptitude tests like critical thinking. Indeed gives you the smart tools to make hiring decisions quickly and to be confident that you're making the right hire for your team. Post your job today at Indeed.com slash Waltrip and get a free sponsored upgrade on your first posting. That's Indeed.com slash Waltrip. Terms, conditions, and exclusions apply. Offer valid through March 31st, 2020. Hello and welcome to Waltrip Unfiltered. This week's show is going to be awesome. I promise you that. We have an amazing guest. It's Hall of Fame broadcaster, legendary Bob Jenkins. He goes back to covering NASCAR from the 70s and he's still doing racing today. I can't wait to hear Bob's stories. He worked alongside NASCAR champions, Benny Parsons and Ned Jarrett. And I can't wait to hear some of those stories. It's gonna be a fun day for me. I know you're gonna be very informed and, and have a few laughs along the way. So sit back, buckle up and get ready. Enjoy some NASCAR nostalgia. Talking to Bob Jenkins right now here on Walter Unfiltered. So it's my honor and my pleasure to welcome to Waltrip Unfiltered, Bob Jenkins, Hall of Fame, legendary broadcaster, racing aficionado, you name it, Bob knows it. And Bob, I say all that because uh, I started racing in NASCAR in 82 and you started covering NASCAR in 79 on ESPN. So ever since I've been a part of this, you're one of the few people that, that, that were here before me like you and Richard Petty <laughs> and a couple other ones. That's about it. Yeah. But uh, thank you for joining me on my podcast. I really appreciate it. Well, I really thank you for doing so because I, uh, I'm i retired. I do absolutely nothing. A lot of people say, what are you doing now, Bob? And I tell them I'm doing exactly what I wanted to do in retirement, and that's absolutely nothing. So it's always a pleasure to talk to somebody like you and uh, talk racing because that's uh, um, the only thing I know anything about, really. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny you say that because you've retired a couple of times, but or, or changed jobs, and, and maybe didn't know what was next. But this time it's official. You're just going to talk about racing with buddies and watch some racing and and, and be retired. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, when my wife died in 2012, I I had told NBC that I was going to retire at the end of the. Uh, 2012 season and so when the end of the season rolled around, I did and I've stuck to it now the only thing I do do is I work the public address as you probably know for the month of May or what usually is the month of May for the 500 and for the Brickyard weekend and that isn't work that's fun and so that's the only thing I do and uh, I enjoy it every year look forward to it and I trust you'll be there again this year whenever there is <laughs> exactly yeah I, uh, I i'm 
I'm not heard officially, but I think everybody believes that the 500 just isn't going to happen in May. So hopefully it will be uh, later in the year. And yeah, as far as I'm concerned, I hope the Brickyard 400 uh, runs in, in July. That uh, That's going to be, I think, a... Uh, a good time to run it really yes it's hot but sometimes it's not all that much and the holiday weekend i'm i'm very confident and optimistic that we're going to have a good crowd for that event well i love coming to indianapolis whether it's going downtown to st elmo's or wandering around the streets <laughs> down there it's always always fun going out to uh irp i i had the the, the good fortune of winning at IRP back in 1989, and, and I tell you that to tell you this, like when I won that race that night, I thought I've won one of the biggest short track races in America. This is, <laughs> this is as good as it gets winning at IRP. And, and so the history of, of Indianapolis obviously is open wheel racing and, and you are well versed in that, but NASCAR has a great presence there as well. And I'm really happy that I was able to take one checkered flag in your fair city. Yeah. Uh, when was your first win? I was trying to research that the other night. Well, in, my first... In uh, what? Goodies, in Goodies Dash or whatever that series was. Yeah, it, and you called it. I, I have yeah. somewhere on a on a VHS or a beta, uh, you, in the, you and Larry Newber talking about me winning at Atlanta and, in 1983. So I was the 1983 yep. Dash Series champion, and I'm, I'm not very technically savvy, but sure would love to have some of those uh, some of those old tapes of those races and me winning and you guys calling them because that I I know you you probably have an opinion on this, but the the growth of NASCAR followed right along your path. I mean, you were blessed to be there. I'm sure you don't want to take credit for it, but you were certainly no. blessed to be a part of the whole uh, surge into into people's living rooms. And, and, and what a perfect job you did being that guy. Well, thank you. I, I firmly believe we contributed, but the real uh, thing that made NASCAR grow at that time was just simply the fact that we were able to expose to rest of the United States, as opposed to uh, sections of the Southeast, who of course were very familiar with NASCAR racing anyway. But we simply exposed the sport and showed everybody how good it is and, and how good the drivers are. And that I think made the sport uh, what it became. And uh, I'm very proud of that. I, I loved every minute I spent doing uh, the NASCAR races and uh, contributing to that in a large sense was the fact that I had the privilege of working with Ned Jarrett and Benny Parsons. Benny and I, of course, became very, very good friends. I, I, there is hardly a day go by, and I'm, I'm very serious when I say that there is hardly a day that goes by that something doesn't happen that reminds me of Benny Parsons, whether it's me getting something on my shirt while I'm eating <laughs> or, or whatever. But I just I just love that guy. And of course, Ned was uh, the same way. Well, you graduated from Indiana University in 1969 and you became the host of Ag Day. That had to be a that, that's pretty a great accomplishment in your broadcasting career. How did you go from Ag Day to getting the call to be the guy for ESPN when they went NASCAR racing? 
I think there were several people involved, but uh, the main person was really Paul Page, because Paul and I, who was the voice of the 500 and Indy 500 at the time, he realized that I was a huge race fan, and so when he was already working for NBC, and when they came to him and asked who they thought, who he thought would make a good anchor and co-anchor, he suggested Larry Newber and myself, and, and that's how that all came down. But, you know, Michael, when I went to IU and even graduated from IU, I really had no idea that I would go into sports and specifically race broadcasting. I wanted to be a disc jockey. I grew up in a small town in East Central Indiana, close to Annapolis, Dayton, Cincinnati, Louisville, I could even get Chicago radio stations, and I listened to Top 40 music and, uh, and the disc jockeys faithfully, and that's what, what I wanted to do when I uh, got out of IU. But I saw that that wasn't going to happen, so <laughs> I took jobs in news departments in Fort Wayne and Valparaiso, then came to Indianapolis, and things started happening at that point. Well, you talked about your relationship with, with Benny and, and Ned and I'm, I'm blessed. I, I was friends with Benny. I got to play golf with him and play craps in his, in his basement on his craps table. Oh, yeah. He was, he was, he was a dear, dear, sweet human. And, and today oh. I'm playing, I'm playing golf with his brother, Phil regularly when, when I, when I get a chance. So, uh, my relationship deal. with Parsons has continued, but, uh, talk about, tell me about Benny a little bit, uh, Buffet Benny, all the fun things yeah. he did, how he was so cool with making fun of himself. He was a special person, and I, I'm, I'm glad to hear that you think about him every day. Oh, I do. I really do. He was such an incredible influence on my career, as much as a person as an announcer. Benny would not sit in traffic either in or out of a racetrack. And to prove that, the first time we went to Las Vegas Motor Speedway, of course, Nellis Air Force Base is across the street. And the place was full, um, and Benny knew we were going to have problems getting out of there when the race was over. So we went out on that road on the backstretch, right uh, in front of, if you will, uh, Nellis Air Force Base. And he made a left turn into the base, and we got on roads that said, no trespassing violators will be prosecuted and i thought for sure we were going to get gunned down by, <laughs> by the military people but it didn't make any difference to benny he was headed for downtown las vegas and our uh our hotel and probably something to eat on the way <laughs> he was well, that, that's that was awesome because i ride with phil sometimes and it must be a detroit thing or a parsons thing because same thing he is He's terrible. Like I tell him yeah, all the I time, know. I'm like, Phil, it's okay. Like that person's <laughs> not. It's not that big of a deal. We can wait behind that guy. And no, no, he Phil yeah. won't have any of that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and of course, and Benny so, loved to eat. We would. We would. Uh, he knew every place at every venue where to eat. And so we. And another thing that Benny liked to do, I, I would ride to with him. 99% uh, of the time to races and we would get in the car, turn on the radio and he would, uh, he and I would begin singing 
the old country songs that came up on the radio. And I'm so glad there's no audio tape of that because it was pretty funny. But, man, it was fun. <laughs> well, you, you talk about that. I think I read that you enjoy old 50s music and, and you find yourself yeah. a, a bit of a croner yourself. Is that true? Yeah, as a matter of fact, I still do an hour show for a very small Brownsburg, Indiana radio station uh, every week. I've done so many of them that if I can't make one, they'll repeat. But um, uh, I do an hour show involving 50s, 60s, and 70s music. Now, if we had the ability, I would take you over here and show you that I have about somewhere between six and 9,045 RPM records. And wow. they're just sitting there. Michael, if you'd like to uh, buy the collection, I'd be glad to talk to you about that. <laughs> I don't know what I'm going to do with them, but I've collected them over the years, and uh, I'm kind of proud of some of them. There, there are very few that are worth anything, but uh, it's, it's, it's been a good hobby, and uh, I just still love 50s, 60s, and a little bit of 70s music. Oh, I, I do too. I have fond memories from the 70s, not the 50s. Mm -hmm. I was born in the 60s. But in the 70s of driving down to Daytona with my mom and dad in the back seat of our four-door sedan, mom and dad both smoking, me me sitting in the back and them listening to country music. And, and yep. uh, I couldn't even see out the window. But uh, <laughs> that, that, was, that, that, that was how I was raised. And, you know, Tom T. Hall, uh, yeah, a lot of those old country guys are. Yeah, I never pick cotton. Do, 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 do. Like, yeah. You have that yeah. one. I never pick cotton. You have that in your collection. Um, I don't think so. Most of mine are pop or you know top forty music. I don't have very many country songs, but yeah, I I love to watch on Saturday night. Uh, they rerun some old Grand Old Opry's and, and programs like that, and I absolutely love to watch that. As a matter of fact, and I hope I'm not getting too personal here, but I had a dream last night about one of my favorite performers of all time, and that would be Grandpa Jones. Now, how oh, in yeah. the world he came to me in my dream, I have no idea, but I did dream that I met him, and he too was such a nice guy. I, I would love to have met Grandpa Jones. Now, did you ever cover a race in, in Nashville at the old fairgrounds? Did that Was that ever a yeah. part of your world? As a matter of that, fact, we did on a very early cable channel called On TV. Larry and I did the race at Nashville fairgrounds. Um, and it was, uh, here we go, and we didn't stop until the checkered flag dropped. No commercials, no breaks of any kind. We just sat there and talked for the entire time. But, yeah, I remember that very well. And we also, or I also, was there maybe two or three more times, uh, not for cup races, of course, but for other races that were held there. And uh, I, I, I agree with those that are hoping that they could maybe uh, get that place going again because there was some really good racing there. Yeah, and it's just NASCAR and Nashville, they belong together. We've been blessed to go there yeah. on the banquet lately, and there's a great yeah. history in that town. And country music and NASCAR racing, they, they seem to go hand in hand. I, I, a couple of things I really wanted to ask you about, uh, your history of, of covering the NASCAR races. What, what was your favorite... NASCAR call 
that you ever made. Yep. What? What? Because I I remember I think I remember this correctly, and I haven't watched YouTube, so you're I might screw this up, but I remember at Wilkesboro when Dale spun out Ricky, you know, and they was mm -hmm. like. You go, and he and both of them spread. <laughs> <laughs> I watched how, that the how, other night. <laughs> what what octave did you get to? That was pretty cool. <laughs> um, an octave that I haven't seen probably since then. But oh, I do remember yeah. that. But you know, as far as as my favorite and most memorable NASCAR race was in 1992 at Atlanta, the final race of the year. Um, five, Alan five or six drivers. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Love it. Uh, Tell six the drivers story. going for the championship. Richard's last race. Um, as the race went along, the uh, contenders dropped off the, the possibility list. And it came down really to who led the most laps in that race. And I was so, uh, so impressed by what Alan Kowicki had done all year. And really, it was glad to see him win the championship, not knowing that uh, we wouldn't have him around much longer. Well, as a broadcast guy, you know, you don't want to miss anything. You, you, you have to watch every angle. Uh, with you, you guys that day, uh, Paul Andrews, Alan Quickie, those guys counting the laps that they led. How, how intense mm -hmm. was it for you in the booth, making sure you understood all the storylines? Because it came down yeah. to literally one lap. That's right. Um, uh, the the driver that most led the most laps got the bonus points, and that was enough to win the championship. So yeah, you know we have all kinds of, of people uh, that are in our ears and, and listening, as you know, as as a uh, TV broadcaster. So they're keeping things straight. We had a couple of people in the booth that was uh, making sure that we were getting everything right as far as points was concerned. But it is intense because, uh, you know, everything can happen in the last lap. And uh, it, it was just a, a great, great race for me. And ironically, the most memorable race for me in IndyCar was also in 1992 when I was uh, anchoring the IMS radio network and calling closest finish in history between Scott Goodyear and uh, Al Unser Jr. So both my memorable, most memorable races were in the same year, 1992. What what a finish and what a call that was too, because I didn't, I don't have recollection of, of the TV coverage, but I do have echoing in my ears, you saying it just by a couple of hundred thousandths of a second out. <laughs> I got that right. Isn't that what you said? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. By just a few tenths of a second. And, you know, Valvoline made a commercial out of that call. And, boy, it, they were running that thing in every race and uh, other places, too. I, I got so sick of hearing myself make that call until the next check arrived. And then it wasn't so bad. Oh, uh, yeah. You were able to put up with it. And interestingly enough, about 1992, uh, you talked about Indy. Uh, Jeff Gordon came on the NASCAR scene. He was a part of that race down in Atlanta in 1992. Uh, yep. Were, did, did, you, did you cover Jeff from a very young age? Mm -hmm. did, were you aware yep. of his prowess and how he yep. would be uh, such yep. a story in NASCAR? Yes. Um, I think he was 15 years old. I'm not sure, but um, the the crew of Speed Week, which of course used to be on ESPN every week. We went to Daytona to cover the activity down there, but we heard of this young sensation 
that was uh, winning a lot of races at East Bay Raceway, which is over by Tampa. So we went over there one evening and saw Jeff Gordon race. And um, like I say, he was very, very young, but it was obvious even from that point that uh, he was going to be a very, very good race driver. And so I, I got to him way, way back then. And We've remained friends all that time. He's just a, a great guy. I was so proud of him when he won the first Brickyard 400. I, that was a storybook situation. And I also, of course, remember his uh, Daytona 500 wins um, that I'm sure he's very, very proud of. But, yeah, Jeff uh, is uh, quite a guy, and I'm very, very glad to see him doing what he is now because he's very, very good at it. Well, and if you ever wondered about an athlete like Jeff Gordon and what goes into him being the champion that he's become, all you have to do is be his colleague in the TV world. You know, we sit in meetings and, and he talks about the research and the things he sees and what happens on the racetrack and how we can make it more entertaining. He's a true mm -hmm. professional when he's, when he's being a TV guy. And it's because of preparation, it's effort, all the same things that I know what is what has made you a Hall of Fame broadcaster as well. You can't just wing it. You got to put in the work too. And Jeff certainly has done that. And I'm really proud to call him my teammate. Yeah. Yeah. Um, if I might, can I ask you a question? And I'm sure you've been yes, asked sir. this thousands and thousands of times, but Jerry Punch was doing the call of that race at Bristol. I was sitting in the press box watching the race. And when you hit, I said to myself, oh my God, Michael Walter has just been killed. And I couldn't believe what happened after that. I have never seen, and I don't think probably you've ever seen either, a car mangled and tore up, separated as much as that one was, and you didn't have a scratch on you. Unbelievable. What was it like when you were experiencing all of that? Well, uh Several things stand out from that day. First of all, Robert Presley wrecked me on purpose, which made me mad. Really? And I got a, I got, hmm. yeah, I'd wrecked him before and he's, he paid me back, which is fine. That's racing. But it was, it was really funny because I have, I have a really funny story about that. So I did Dale Jr.'s podcast and I told the story on Dale Jr.'s podcast about, you know, that Robert had wrecked me on purpose. And evidently, Robert listened to Dale Jr.'s podcast and he heard me say that. And so fast forward to, to the Southern 500 last September, I'm down there and Robert's there as one of the legends, you know, of, of the Darlington Raceway. And I see him across, the, I see him across the crowd and he's watching me and I'm acting like I don't see him. I'm like, I don't know what he's watching me for. But then I see him making his way toward me, and I'm like, oh, shit, he's going to come beat me up. <laughs> <laughs> so Robert makes his way over there, and, and he says, I didn't wreck you on purpose. I did not do that on purpose. You can't be telling everybody that on Dale Jr.'s download, because now the whole world thinks I did it. So long, we, had a good, we had a great laugh about it, and I love Robert yeah. Russell. He's a, he's a race car guy. Uh, so that's that's one funny piece of it. Um, another great thing was I did not know, Bob, how bad it was. You know, I, I didn't oh. hit my head. I didn't hit my head. 
So I didn't have any concussion. I just got the wind knocked out of me. And when I got up out of that car, everybody was staring at me. And, and I, I thought, what's wrong with these people? Because I really felt fine. And then I got in the, in the infield care center and uh, they, they told me that I was lucky to be alive. And I started trying to figure it all out. And one vivid memory, and I tell about it in the, in the documentary we just did with, uh, was Dale Earnhardt comes in and he said, you're one tough son of a bitch, I'll tell you that. And I'm like, <laughs> you know, you know old Mike from Kentucky, I've kind of come off as a bit of a sissy. And Dale walked out and I, I said, did y'all hear that? Dale Earnhardt thinks I'm a tough son of a bitch. I'll, I'll take that. So um, just going to the hospital and seeing the replay of, the, of that wreck and then, you know, showing up Sunday morning and, and hopping in the car and going again, uh, just bl blessed. I, I, you know, I just, that's all you can no. say. It just wasn't my turn. Yeah. Everybody has, and their you time know, I'm uh, on earth. I was yeah. going to say, everybody has their time on earth and mine wasn't up yet. Yep. And the other thing that added to that was us talking to your brother immediately. And he was crying before the whole thing was over, but he knew at that time that, and I think he referred to you, he's a Waltrip, he's tough. <laughs> but that whole <laughs> Got a hard thing head. was just something, yeah, yeah. that whole thing was just <laughs> unbelievable. And uh, I'm sure glad the way it turned out. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm just, I can't, I'll never understand, you know, exactly life and all the things that have gone on, but I'm, I'm like you, I've been blessed. There's been some ups and downs and some bumps in the road, but I know you had to be honored to be inducted into the Indianapolis Motor Speedway Hall of Fame Museum. Uh, you've had quite a few honors along the way and it's it's been a great run for you, but uh, all of it is so deserving. You, you've been such a professional and no. so fun to, Thank to you. bring our sport to the world. Thank you for all that. Well, thank you for having me on, Michael, and thanks for saying all of that. Um, yes, I, I had a great career. I ended up doing in my life just exactly what I wanted to do, and um, I cover a lot of different uh, motorsports, but I wouldn't trade anything for what I uh, experienced, and I'm just glad that uh, things turned out the way they did and that I can uh, look back on some very um, fond memories. And, and one of those memories has to be, and maybe one of the most special, you were actually in Talladega Nights. <laughs> yeah. Um. <laughs> well, <laughs> what, what was that experience like? <laughs> well, it was really weird because, you know, I was doing speed news at the time on Fox, and I would go in every Friday night and work until Sunday night and then come home. They told me to come in a day early because they wanted me to, to help with this movie that was being made. So I did, and so I got to the, the studio where we did, uh, and there was this television uh, crew, and okay, go over and get makeup on, okay, then go to the studio and sit down just like you were going to do a newscast or a sportscast. So I did. And the producer, uh, Rob Riggle, who has become very famous in yeah. Hollywood, was there with me on set. I don't know why they didn't uh, ask me instead of him, but nevertheless, um, uh, the, the, the producer says, okay, guys, here's the deal. Uh, you are reacting to a guy who is gay, and when he wins, he uh, does donuts and spells out the name of his boyfriend. Okay. 
And so he steps back and says, okay, take one, go. And both Rob and I just sat there for about 10 seconds. And the producer says, go ahead, do what I told you to do. <laughs> so we did, but it was difficult because we didn't see what preceded us. We were flying by the seat of our pants and we did it several times. We did several takes on it. And Rob really did a great job of reacting to it. Once he got up out of his chair and walked around behind it, holding his head, you know. But for some reason, they didn't use that. They used my reaction to it. And uh, very glad they did because I got on camera. But, oh, man, it was, it was fun. I mean, it wasn't much of a, a movie, but uh, it was fun doing that. And then, of course, my, my voice was in um, Days of Thunder. And I also did a Canadian movie called Cart Racer. Again, it was voice only, but um, uh, yeah, it was fun to do those three movies and uh, add to my resume, so to speak. <laughs> People ask me all the time about Days of Thunder, about Talladega Nights, and I say, well, definitely Talladega Nights was a documentary. You know, that, that was as true as it gets, right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you said that, not me. <laughs> Uh, if you got a couple of minutes, I'm, you, you wouldn't believe, and I'm going to, I'm going to, I know this, I know you're a humble man, but I'm going to tell you when we put out on social media that we had you as our guest, I think it's been the biggest reaction we've gotten. People really yeah. want to know what you're up to and how you're doing. And I've got a few questions. You mind taking a couple before we run? Oh, absolutely not. Go right ahead. I Now, remember, I really have one of the worst memories in history. I, I can't remember anything, especially from uh, the early days. But uh, sure, fire away. I'll do this the best I can. Hey, I can't remember much either, but I've got this great excuse. I tell people all the time, I hit concrete walls. So don't ask me much. And <laughs> I, I don't know that excuse. <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't expect me much. Don't expect much uh, memory out of me. Um, what, what is your favorite memory of calling a race? And we've talked about Atlanta, but I mean, a lighter, lighter moment says Chris Smith from New Jersey of calling the race with Benny and Ned. What, what, what's a memory that makes you smile and laugh about those two? Hmm. Well, I don't know that there's any one thing, but um, it, it was just such a, a, a working with those two champions. It really was. And you mentioned earlier about uh, Buffet Benny, and I didn't didn't talk about that. But you're right. We punished him and made fun of him as much as anybody can be uh, subjected subjected to that thing. And it rolled right off his back. I remember the one in uh, where was it Bristol that uh, he did the Buffet Benny paddling in on a boat. Right. And uh, the boat gets out from under him as he steps off of it. And says, he turns around, come up, come back, come back, boat. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he was, it's that type of thing that, uh, that I remember about uh, working with, especially Benny. And, and I remember also spending uh, an evening with, Ned, uh, we were eating dinner, and I just asked him almost everything that I could think of regarding what he had done in his career, and Ned just uh, fired off, you know, the answer to everything that I asked him. He was also a very humble, and I always refer to him as the epitome of a country gentleman. That was Ned right. Jarrett, and remains Ned Jarrett. 
Well, and my brother's, or excuse me, Richard Petty said, you know, his nickname was Gentleman Ned. And the reason why mm -hmm. Richard Petty called him that is because Ned would wreck you on the back straightaway where nobody could see. So. <laughs> uh, you, answered this, you answered this question earlier, but I just want to reiterate it. Brian Clark wants to know what compels you to return to the Indianapolis Motor Speedway as the public address guy? And you said, because it's not work, it's just fun. That's I right. Know you love it. So yeah. I, I wanted to, I wanted yeah. to say thank you for that because when I hear your voice, I'll know you're just up there enjoying life. Absolutely. And again, I, I am going to miss so much the month of May because that was uh, a, a full month of working, but still it, it didn't get tiresome uh, and it was fun. And the same way with the Brickyard 400, I love uh, that weekend also. So Bob, uh, Ford Martin's on, on our team here at Walter Unfiltered, and he's a, a young man that has a lot of respect for the history of our sport. And he has a question he would like to ask you. Ford, what do you got? Okay. Well, hey, Bob, I actually went to school for sports broadcasting. So I always looked up to you as far as a play-by-play -play broadcaster in early NASCAR. But one of my first fond memories when I was, I was about six years old and, and it was ABC Sports' last race at Atlanta and you were given the farewell outro and it's on YouTube. It's one of the most viewed videos of you out there. I was looking at it the other day and what was that day like in the outro you gave talking about the run uh, that it's been and, and you taking off the headset for the final time for ABC Sports? <laughs> I watched that the other night, and um, I can't remember a great deal about that. I don't know whether I wrote it. I wrote some of it, I know, but uh, I probably had some help. But that was pretty much an expression of how uh, all of us were going to go our separate ways, and all of us had had so much fun and had hoped that we could go on for many, many, many more years. But unfortunately, that wasn't the way it worked out. And we all did go our supper race. But, you know, I went to the Daytona 500 this year. And um, I went as a spectator and had hoped that I would be there as a spectator. But uh, Kevin Clark, who's the uh, chief spotter for Fox Auto Racing, uh, said, come to the compound and say hi to your old friends. And I thought, no, I don't think I want to do it. But I did. And it was, it was a lot of fun because I saw some people that I used to work with. Unfortunately, Michael was busy. This was on Thursday. You were busy doing your homework. But uh, I did have a good time in the Fox uh, TV compound. And uh, I, uh, I remember some of the things that we did together uh, a lot. Well, I really appreciate you joining me. I, I, I'm honored. I was a little nervous because you're such a professional and I'm just a dumbass race car driver. <laughs> no, 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 no. And I wanted, you to, I wanted you to join me and be a part of it. And I'm really honored that you did. Thank you, sir. Well, thank you very much. And keep up the good work. Uh, you know, we, we uh, still watch as many races as we can and enjoy your work on on TV too, and we certainly have fond memories of your uh, driving days too. So, thank you very much, and hi, and uh, I hope everybody out there is being safe and doing the right things. I hope you are too, sir. And again, I really appreciate you joining me, and stay safe and healthy, and we'll talk to you soon. Okay, Michael. Thanks. Thanks, Bob. Well, that certainly was a lot of fun. Really appreciate Ford Martin. He uh, pulled together our visit with Bob Jenkins. 
got Bob to, uh, to join us and Bob was a lot of fun. Obviously a wealth of information and so many memories about NASCAR over the last hundred years, it seems like. Thank you, Ford. A great question for Bob too. He inspired Ford, but he also inspired many other young reporters that wanted to share their passion with NASCAR and with motorsports in general with the public. So Bob, you're a hero to many, and I'm really thankful that you joined us. Be sure to tell your friends about Waltrip Unfiltered. You can find us on all of Fox Sports social channels, YouTube, Twitter, Instagram. Tell your friends about Waltrip Unfiltered. They can go to their favorite podcast app and add us and be a part of their entertainment for the week. Thank you so much for joining me. Looking forward to seeing what's up next week. We always have a lot of fun here at Walter Fun Filter. Don't forget, send your questions to us via Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Reddit, wherever. We'd love to hear some questions and we would love for you to be a part of our show. Take care and I really appreciate you watching. Be safe, be healthy, be responsible, and mainly be true to yourself. Thanks much.